by their fruits you shall know them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Over my years in the priesthood, I've gotten to know many souls as one could imagine. Often, one of the topics of conversation that comes up is the story of how they discovered that the Vatican II Church is not the true one, and then what led them to find the true Catholic faith. This one particular man that I know told me the story of how during the time of the changes, he and his wife would go to Mass, receive the, the supposed sacraments on Sundays, but then bicker and fight on the car ride home. And this, he said, happened frequently. The odd thing is that any other time, this couple got along happily. Then one day it hit him, he says, like a bolt of lightning. There's something wrong if we are only fighting when we're coming home from Mass. There's those sacraments of the new Mass, he noticed, were not producing fruit in their day-to-day -day lives, indeed not even right after Mass. So this led him to a deeper investigation about Vatican II, and he eventually came to the very hard reality that the Mass and sacraments of that Church are invalid and incapable of producing fruit in souls. And there it is. He found the wolf, that ravening wolf in the story. And he and his wife were two of the sheep who suffered from that treachery of the wolf. But he eventually found his way to the true mass and the true faith. He came to the conviction that Vatican II is a false church, and it all started because he saw that those false sacraments of the new church, which were given to him, were not producing spiritual fruit in his life. It is, you might say, the realization of the truth of our Lord's words, by their fruits, you shall know them. But what about us? We who long ago saw that ravening wolf in the Vatican II sect and fled from it and found refuge in the true traditional church established by our Lord himself. Just as the fig tree in today's gospel was planted in fertile soil and warmed in the light of the sun and drank the waters which then saturated the ground, so also we have been planted in the fertile soil of the true church and warmed by the Son of Justice, Christ himself, nourished with his sacraments and watered with his grace. 
That is the meaning of today's example of the fig tree. But are you as a fruitful fig tree when it comes to your moral life? The Son of Justice, our Lord, as I said, shines down upon you and has given the light of faith by which you are meant to live. Now, the sun, St. Vincent Ferrer says, cannot of its nature cease to give life, light, but its light can be dimmed by the clouds that block it. He goes on to say, St. Vincent does, that many Catholics and many people will not give forth the light of faith owing to the, to the clouds of temporal things that block it. These temporal things are what oftentimes choke out the life of the soul. The spirit of the world is directly opposed to the spirit of Christ. Let's not hold back any punches. They are diametrically opposed in every way. And St. James, in his epistle, confirms this when he said, Whosoever will be a friend of the world becometh an enemy of God. And proof of this is found in the events of sacred scripture. Look at St. Peter. Peter dearly loved his master. He would do anything for him. He proclaimed time and time again that he was ready to die for and even with Christ. And in his great enthusiasm, he meant it. But just as soon as he was asked by a servant of the world, Art not thou one of this man's disciples? Now we must remember, Christ was, especially at that time, despicable to the world, and, was, and the world was about to kill him. Peter, therefore, dared not own Christ for fear of public opinion and of the public reaction. Or we think of Pontius Pilate. He had just declared that our Lord was perfectly innocent of all the charges. Yet the Jews said, If thou release this man, thou art not Caesar's friend. The fear of that worldly opinion stopped him in his tracks, and it ripped all the courage clean out of his heart, and he ended by turning over the Savior, the creator of the world, to the enemy, because he preferred the friendship of Caesar, or the friendship of the world, to that of God. These are true stories, and these are true stories being lived each and every day. In our day, the Catholic, you, is surrounded on all sides by ravening wolves. 
They are out to destroy you, to tear the life out of your soul. Never before has the Catholic had so many things stacked against him. We have no pope to shepherd us along the way. Catholic churches, I mean real ones, that have the faith untarnished, are so far and few between that many souls do not even get the Mass. Television, etc., is all filled with things that only serve to corrupt the soul. Our own friends who are following all the new trends of the world and are quite vocal about it, they too are wolves. They will follow all the trendy things, all the propaganda that is held up as good. Propaganda, every which way you turn, is shoved down our throats. Everywhere you turn as a Catholic, there is this immense pressure to conform to the maxims of the world and to compromise your own faith and your own morals. That is all you will get from the world. You must be their friend and give up Christ. And one day, whether in our lifetime or not, I do not know, but I do have my suspicions. One day, Catholics will be forced to make that decision. Will I be a friend of the world and spare my life? Or will I remain a friend of Christ to save my soul? In a world such as this, what must one do in order not to be devoured by the wolves? Flannery O'Connor, I do not know who she is, but I know that she has a wonderful quotation. She says, push back against the age just as hard as it pushes against you. What people don't realize is how much religion costs. They think faith is a big electric blanket when, of course, it is the cross. Push back against the age as hard as it pushes against you. That is what we must do. And this goes especially for the young people because peer pressure is such a strong thing. You must be determined, not with some wishy-washy, half-hearted resolution, but you must have a firm determination never to be swayed by public opinion or peer pressure. Secondly, do not willingly expose yourself to the dangers of the world. St. Alphonsus says that among these dangers are our friends, worldly friends. He said the reason that we should avoid them is this. 
because we shall feel an unwillingness to oppose their bad practices. Thus, through human respect and the fear of contradicting them, we will imitate their example and lose the friendship of God. We must avoid all the avenues as much as possible. It is not always completely possible. We must avoid the television, a source of propaganda, because it desensitizes us. And little by little, its purpose is to break down moral righteousness, that new principles of morality are coming in, and these are acceptable. Little by little, they are forming you into the enemies of Christ. Thirdly, if we wish to survive this world, we must cultivate a Catholic culture in our homes. This goes especially for parents. Your homes should be filled not only with beautiful pictures of, of art, secular art, but they should be filled with crucifixes, with images of our Lord and Our Lady, all the things that help to raise one's heart to eternity. Spiritual reading should be done in the house. This spiritual reading refocuses our attention to where it should be. That's the point of it. You get propaganda all week long. You must get just as much spiritual reading to combat all of the propaganda. And prayer. Never before has prayer been so important and necessary for the Catholic than now. Prayer to Our Lady, especially the Holy Rosary. The fourth is to keep yourself informed, and by that I mean not necessarily, although to an extent it is good, to keep oneself informed on what's going on in the world. You have to stay one step ahead of your enemy, remember. But to keep yourself informed on the truths of the faith, those truths by which you will defeat those wolves in the world. And the fifth and final thing is to meditate on eternity. You were brought into this world for one purpose. That purpose will be accomplished one way or another. That is, that you are meant to go into eternity. The choice is yours where you go. And so we mustn't be led by the fluctuating opinions of the world, what they think of us or what they might do. Rather, what we should pay attention to is the changeless judgment of God. What we are right now before God is what we are. It does not matter if the world thinks well of us or poorly of us, only what God thinks. And on Judgment Day, when the soul departs the body and meets 
its judge, its creator, then that final judgment will be made as to what you are. Do not be swayed then by public opinion, but focus on what God believes. These are all ways, not exhaustive by any means, but these are some of the simple ways in which we can escape those ravening wolves. These are ways in which we can, like that fig tree in today's gospel, produce fruit in our lives. And that is the most important thing. Nothing matters. Then at the end, our Lord looks up and he can pull a fig from the tree because you've been fruitful and he lets it stand. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.